How's it going, Irish fans? Friday edition, Locked On Irish podcast, coming your way right now on the Locked On Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? By the time I get this uploaded, hopefully uh, you're on your way home from work or you got toward the end of your work day so that uh, get ready and enjoy a weekend. It's been a long week for me, I do know that, but I'm pumped to bring you this show. Really excited to get this thing going. The next show we do... After this one, the Monday edition, we'll finally know who the bowl opponent's going to be. So we're really pumped about that. It should be either Texas, Oklahoma State, or Kansas State. Of course, I said the other day, we're locked into the Camping World Bowl. So kind of is what it is at this point. Um, get excited about it. Otherwise, you're not going to be excited. You're going to just walk around angry all the time. Just start accepting it. Just start accepting it because that's what it's going to be. So before we get going too much further with the show, remember, follow us at Locked On Irish on Twitter. Listen to our shows anywhere, iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, really anywhere you get your podcasts, we are out there. Like I said, official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Podcast Network. Got a good one planned for you guys today. Um, we're going to talk some Irish basketball again, um, preview the Boston College game for tomorrow. It's a 2 o'clock tip. I believe that's ESPNU. Uh, Robbie Carmody went down. We'll kind of explore how that injury is going to affect the team. Uh, left knee injury. And it appears to be an ACL injury, so it does not look like that he's going to return. Uh, second segment, we are going to dive into kind of skew just a hair away from Notre Dame football, but I do want to give my conference championship predictions for this weekend and how far we could possibly climb. Um, again, we have to make it to 12 in order to get to a potential Orange Bowl, and I don't see that happening, but there are a couple scenarios that maybe we could get it that high. We'll have to see just, just how things play out, but I could see maybe a couple things happening, and uh, we at least jump a couple spots and get out of this 15 hole that we're kind of seem to be stuck in. First, though, I want to talk again just a little off topic of the Irish slightly. You'll see how it circles back. Number one, I've had a rant ready to go all week, and where else better to express it than my own podcast is uh, Joe Burrow made a comment last week, and uh, I've been reading around. This is all stem from reading around in different forums, uh, and just what people think about this comment. And a lot of them are Notre Dame fans that really feel this strongly about his comment. And he was kind of celebrating with some fans last week. I don't know. I didn't necessarily see it, but I know he mentioned how he doesn't go to class with those people and how, uh, you know, he, you know, that's why he wanted to spend a little more time with them over there. They don't usually get to see him, whatever. I don't have the exact quote in front of me, but it brought out this visceral reaction from fans of all over of, well, that's why it's an SEC school and, you know, that's unacceptable. And, you know, student athletes gone by the wayside and it's just minor leagues and this and that. That's ridiculous. Shut up. If you're one of those people, shut up. That is insane. Like this kid is, he takes online classes. He graduated from Ohio State in three years. He's went to class. He's still in class. He's just taking them online. It's not a big deal. Tech, any university in the country, even Notre Dame, has a couple online classes sprinkled in there. It's okay. It's okay. And it's not hurting you. So just relax. Just relax. He's still a student athlete. Again, he graduated in three years. And graduate classes are different anyway. I mean, I take grad courses for my, my real life job. They're different. They, they just do things just a little bit different. So everybody just chill out. If you have this much of a problem with that, then just stop watching because it's ridiculous. I mean, this is the way of the future anyway. I can go online and get one of many different Vanderbilt degrees, get on their website, check it out, and be in a virtual classroom, okay? And I wouldn't see the people I went to school with. So just relax, okay? And especially these Notre Dame fans that are calling this out. I know we're holier than thou all the time. 
we do it better, even though we're when we're getting beat by Duke and nobody does it better than Notre Dame, just chill out, you know, just chill out. We got our uh, handful of bad eggs too and in there and, you know, it's not, we're not perfect, okay? We are far, far, far from perfect. You know, our kids, yes, they do see the bigger picture. A lot of times our our student athletes absolutely are more so student athletes than other places. But that's not to say there's not great universities and that the kids, you know, in these public schools don't go to class too to some degree. I, I just, it's aggravating, especially in 2019, man. A lot of these guys take online classes. It's probably more convenient, even if he wasn't a grad student. But it just really chapped me earlier this week. I'm just thinking, this guy graduated from Ohio State in three years and just being called out. I mean, there was a few people coming out and defending and whatnot. But, man, it got me all fired up, all fired up. If this wasn't such a clean clean podcast, I would I would express a little more frustration. than I would express a little more of what I'm actually feeling because I am insanely frustrated by this. It's 2019. You can do anything online including take a class. You could take several classes. So if he doesn't see those people, who freaking cares? He's enrolled in school. He's already graduated. It's graduate school. So let's relax. All right. Rant number one, done. (laughs) So next up, uh, kind of affects Notre Dame's past and future opponents. A couple rivalries, uh, a couple rivals sitting out there. Um, You know, USC announced they're going to keep Clay Helton. Uh, pretty much everybody out there was reporting that Clay's done. He's not done. Apparently, he's coming back. A um, couple thoughts on that right away. One is, was Urban Meyer not available? Uh, I know I'm not the only person that thinking that, but that's the truth. Was Urban Meyer not available? Because that looked like it was pretty much a done deal. Did Urban need another year off? The option B, the second guy you guys had in mind, was he not available either? Those are the thoughts I have on that. And number two, you open up with Alabama. You end your season with Notre Dame. You have to go to Oregon. You have to go to Utah. When does the hot, or is he going to get fired in the middle of the year? I mean, cue the hot seat ramping up to a thousand right after week one. They open with Alabama. I don't even know where that game's at, but I know it's not going to end well for USC. This is interesting to me. This is really interesting that USC is really just accepting this. And this is, is this because they've had so many other things go on at that school? You know, from Reggie Bush to you know, get titles taken away, Pete Carroll, yada, yada, yada. And then uh, uh, Full House Girl and um, Felicity Huffman bribing kids getting into school and things like that. Are they just trying to clean up their act and eight and four is just fine? Eight and four is good to go? And just because the players like Clay Helton... Seems to be like a player's coach. He's always had the support of these guys. Now, don't get me wrong. I thought that first season took him to the Rose Bowl, got the victory. I thought, uh uh-oh, here we go. USC's good again. Sam Darnold looked like a stud, but just he hasn't been able to follow it up. Uh, You know, the next best season he had was against, uh, he went 11-3. Was that 2015? Yeah, 2015, he went 11-3. Has the win over... No, he didn't beat Notre Dame or Ohio State that season. They went to the Cotton Bowl. So really, that's his two best seasons, and it's not been pretty since. He's lost 11 games in two years. Is that good enough for USC right now? I don't know that it is. And are you really just delaying the inevitable? Do you have that much faith in this guy? I mean, you can't even you can't even justify it with recruiting. They're ranked in the 60s, depending upon which service you look at in recruiting, whether it's 66, 64, whatever it is. 
They're ranked in the 60s in recruiting. Let me look that up just real quick here. All right, guys, so it's worse than I thought. I just brought it up here. I mean, they're on 247, they're ranked 78th, the class of 2020. Now, they're going to have to have a major, major push in order to jump at all. They only have one four-star guy. Yeah, that's right, Jonah Monheim, four-star. That's it. That is it, an offensive guard. Outside of that, everybody else is a three-star in this recruiting class. Again, you can't even fall back on the fact that recruiting is just off the chain, and you can't, you know, you can't justify uh, firing him because, oh, you know, we don't want to lose all these recruits. That's crazy. Last season, they finished at 20th. This isn't USC standard. I know we don't like them, but this is not the standard of USC. So that's what I got on that. We're going to talk about backup college, the other half of the Holy War, Boston College. We'll talk about them on the other side of the break here, as well as their coaching changes and anybody, the candidates that I'm hearing. Then we'll also get into conference championship weekend, give you my predictions, as well as talk about some uh, ways that Notre Dame could possibly move up. And in the third segment, again, we're going to give you your Boston College preview for the game tomorrow. So let's take a break. All right, guys, back at it. Locked on Irish podcast on the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Don't forget it. Always here five days a week. Sometimes the Locked on Irish podcast. A little weird sometimes during the middle of the week, but uh, you always get your five episodes in. Typically, we're going to be pretty good about it, especially now. Typically, it'd be Monday through Friday, but you may get a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday because of our schedule. And we like to get, we want to get the crew, the entire crew together as much as possible. So that might be the schedule, but we'll see. We're gonna do a, our best to adhere to the adhere to what the the uh, higher ups want, if you will. It's cool to say that. That's for sure. We're really pumped to be a part of this network. But uh, let's talk some Boston College football real quick. Adazio, as you know, got fired. Uh, candidates that I am hearing right now, uh, kind of some interesting ones out there. Definitely uh, some interesting guys' names out there. Uh, Jeff Monken from Army. I mean, do you want to go triple option? Uh, it would be interesting. Um, I don't know how I feel about that at Boston College. It worked well at Georgia Tech for years, but as you can see, the problem with it is, you know, at the academies, for instance, you're going to do it till the end of time. Till you have a coach come in and say they're not, like the early 2000s. And then, you know, another coach is going to come in. It's going to happen. You're just going to run it. That's all they have time for. It works. A place like Boston College isn't going to run it forever. So even if it is successful, you're always going to find that team that can beat you. You can't come back from behind. You're in a Power 5 conference. It's going to be tough. It's going to be really tough. Paul Johnson was way more successful than I thought he would be when he was at Georgia Tech, but that eventually ran out. And you're not going to get the athletes that you would typically get. So that would be tough, in my opinion, even though that is a strategy, because you're going to have success. You're going to have some success out there. I mean, I've even thought that with, like, Kansas, a school like Kansas. Start going, go triple option. In a, in a league of wide-open offenses and where it, it looks like it's a, illegal to recruit DBs, just go to, to triple option. So that's an interesting candidate for BC right there. I just don't know. The problem is, is look where Georgia Tech's at now is my concern. Is like, and not that I'm concerned about it, but uh, can you know, I'm speaking about it, so I'm just gonna speak like I would, like I care. <laughs> you know, it's like, is that the? You're gonna build that up and build that up. This triple option. 
you're going to start losing certain recruits and maybe you have some level of success, but it ultimately all goes away once once that coach is gone because it's going to be very hard to follow that up with another triple option coach. Not many of them exist anymore. And then the rebuilding process, because it's a completely different offense, is just, it's very difficult. Another one that came up was Lane Kiffin. I don't think that's a good move. Maybe initially, get guys in the door, but he, I've never seen somebody fail up so much. Has anybody else ever seen anybody fail up so much? Maybe Cliff Kingsbury, fired from Texas Tech and get the Arizona Cardinals job? That's insane. Uh, another one's Luke Fickle. I think that's very interesting. I like. I, I think that's a good hire. Actually, uh, Fickle struggled at Ohio State when he took over for his interim year. and But what he's done to Cincinnati has been impressive, and that would be a natural next step up. Uh, and it would be interesting to see if he could handle that job and then maybe go into a destination job. And then the one that stuck out to me, how this circles back kind of to Notre Dame, is Mike Elko. That's an interesting one. Uh, Coach Elko did well his year as a D coordinator. He's a highly touted D coordinator because, I mean, let's be real, look at all the money that they backed up for for him at Texas A&M, him and Jimbo Fisher. But has a little bit of his shine worn off? I'll pose the question to you. You can tweet at the show, at Locked on Irish. Has a little bit of the shine worn off of um, a little bit of Elko? Because A&M's defense, is, it's fine. Um, I, don't, I don't watch many A&M games to really comment, but you know they're beating the teams that they should, and they're kind of doing whatever against the teams that – I guess they held uh, Clemson to 24. It was 24 to three, late garbage time touchdown, 24 to 10. But yeah, A&M just doesn't look like some defensive juggernaut. Whether that be the personnel, it's only a second year there, kind of hard to tell. Uh, the last one on the list is Don Brown, the defensive coordinator at Michigan. That just reminds me way too much of Frank Spaziani. Uh, I'm sorry, that's that'll be a total failure. So unless you want to accept mediocrity, older coach, um, and maybe he might work out, but I I don't think that's a good one. I, I would go Fickle if they had their choice. And again, Montkins, uh, he's interesting. It's at least interesting. Another triple option team, unfortunately, that we'll have to face the next time that BC rolls around on the schedule, but really interesting. Uh, other coaching news out there right now, from what I'm hearing, former running back coach for Notre Dame, current running back coach at Ohio State, Tony Alford. It looks like they have reached out to him at Colorado State. So maybe Tony Alford finally gets a, a shot at a pretty decent mid-level job. I know Colorado State used to be one of those, you know, kind of major, uh, mid-major-ish teams, non-Power 5, always pretty strong. So, you know, good luck to Tony on that for sure. That'd be awesome to see him get a head coaching gig and then see how he does. You know, I mean, Kelly's not going to coach Notre Dame forever. You know, 10 years from now, he's probably not going to be there. So we need to keep our eyes out for the next young coach or, you know, up-and-coming coach that's that's the guy. So something to keep our eyes on with that, for sure. So let's get to Championship Weekend here. I think Championship Weekend is pretty simple at this point. From everything I'm reading, it really comes down to the Utah game tonight. If Utah wins, they're in. If not, then the Big 12 title game is essentially a quarterfinal. Uh, I... I like Utah. I, I, I'm a huge Kyle Whittingham fan. I don't know if we've talked about that on the show before, but just throwing that out there, love Kyle Whittingham, would love to have him at Notre Dame. I've never seen a coach do more with less. His recruiting classes are consistently in the 60s and 70s. Clay Helton, take note. And look what he's done with them. I mean, he may have the best defensive line in the country, in my opinion. Extremely good coach. You know, he's beat Alabama in a Sugar Bowl game. He's taken Utah to an undefeated record. He 
he only hasn't lost but one or two bowl games in all the time that he's been there. It's incredible what Kyle Whittingham has been able to do. And I'm really, you know, now that Notre Dame's out, I'm really pulling for uh, for uh, Utah. I couldn't even get it off my tongue. I'm actually rooting for somebody else, right? Actually really rooting for Utah to pull this thing out. I'd love to see a Utah national title. I mean, 10 wins, 10 wins in 09 and 2010, 10 wins in 15, 11 wins this year, 9 a couple sprinkled in there, 13 and 0 in 08. Nine wins in 07. He's only lost one, two bowl games. Las Vegas Bowl in 10, and he lost the Holiday Bowl last season. So, I mean, this guy's a, this guy's a stud of a coach. He'll be a good get if he ever wants to leave Utah. At this point, it feels like he's a lifer. It's interesting, though, that you know he's a BYU guy coaching Utah. If you know anything about that rivalry, it's kind of nasty. Uh, so I'm taking Utah tonight. Physical teams, big teams, really. You know, Oregon's still stuck in that rut. Of big physical teams. Even at their peak, Oregon struggled with those physical teams. So I'll take Utah tonight. I'll take Oklahoma over Baylor. I think Baylor's kind of fake good. What else we got here? With the Sun Belt title game, I'll take App State. The get a little action for you. Central Michigan, Miami of Ohio. Give me Central Michigan. Uh, Chuck Martin down there at Miami of Ohio. Good luck to him. But I'm taking Central Michigan on this one. UAB back from the dead two years in a row in the Conference USA title game. Give me UAB in that one. I think Memphis beats Cincinnati. Memphis, they beat Cincinnati last week, have to play them again this week. A little tighter. I think it comes maybe down to down to the wire. Field goal, touchdown at the end. I, th- I like Memphis. I like their athletes a little bit more than Cincinnati. I'll come back to the SEC title game. Let's see what else we got up next. Boise State, Hawaii. Why aren't they playing this game at 10 o'clock? Playing at 4 in the afternoon? The Hawaii fans are just waking up 4 in the afternoon Eastern time. Give me Boise State. Hawaii's just been all over the map this year. You know, won games they probably shouldn't have. Lost some they probably shouldn't have. Give me Boise State, the consistent winner of the non-Power 5. Secretly, I'm kind of hoping Cincinnati wins and Boise State wins. I I love what Boise State's done and really ticked me off when Central Florida gets to talking about how you know, they're the premier non-Power 5. It's like, shoot, get out of here with that mess. Boise State's been doing this since your program was in diapers. Get out of here. I like Clemson over Virginia, but I like Virginia to keep it close early. Bryce Perkins, you know, that's my guy. I think he he's going to will this team to keep them in there early. They have a pretty decent defense. If Clemson's not firing on all cylinders, it could be close going into halftime, but Clemson ultimately to pull away. Ohio State easy over Wisconsin. LSU, Georgia. So I want to talk about this for a brief second before we go to break, and then we'll give you your Boston College preview. Uh, I think I really feel like this. Here's my monkey wrench in all this playoff. If Georgia wins, I think they're in with LSU. How are you going to keep LSU out? I I don't see how you can keep LSU out. I really don't. They have wins over uh, A&M. They have wins over Alabama. They have wins over Florida. You know, Texas at the time was a good win, on the road at at least. Um, I mean, they have just bowled over their entire schedule. You cannot tell me a 12-1 LSU does not deserve to be in there. Give me, if Georgia wins, 12-1 Georgia, 12-1 LSU, I'm down. Let's do this thing. I know it's two SEC schools. I hate myself for saying it. I'm in. Let's do it. I think think that's where it gets real simple. Ohio State, uh, Georgia. I know it would be Ohio State, Clemson. Georgia, LSU. And then you'd have an Ohio State, one versus four. Sign me up. Sign me up. Because as of right now, 
without knowing if Georgia's going to win or not, I almost feel like LSU and Ohio State should just play two out of three and call it a day because they just look head and shoulders better than everybody else right now. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be back with the Boston College preview right after this. All right, guys, back at it. Locked on Irish podcast, Locked on Podcast Network. Here we go, finishing up last segment for Friday, December the 6th. Man, we're churning along here, like two weeks from Christmas. This is nuts. But uh, real quick, Robbie Carvany went down toward the end of the game, final minute against Maryland. It is a left ACL injury. I did not hear if it was a tear or what it was, but he's done for the year, unfortunately. And really what this goes back to is just the depth of this team. Right now, Temple Gibbs is playing awful. Gibbs is awful right now. I like the kid. He's awful right now. 0 for 11 shooting the other night. Unacceptable. Uh, what this does is really we, we're so bad we can't even bench bad play. We have eight scholarship players left. Um, and we're going to get into it on another day and talk about is Bray on the hot seat? Is this the beginning of the end? I had one of my partners who's helped me out with some podcasts in the past say, you know, is this is this his, is this like Thad Mata? Thad was the guy at Ohio State, and then it just started to trickle away till it, the message got old. Is that it? Is this it for, for Bray? Uh, but we'll talk about that on another show. And really, let's not get into that until we can see. We have two more opportunities before full-on league play starts. I'm really interested in tomorrow's game with BC. I think this is a team we can beat. I don't feel like they're very good, but they're athletic. I don't care how disorganized they are. They're athletic. I don't care how they come across as a team. They're athletic. And any team that's at that amount of athletes is going to give us trouble. So Carmody's out. Carmody, you know, he's a bench guy. Wasn't really giving us an incredible amount off the bench, averaging 5.4 points per game. He was averaging about 13.7 minutes, shooting shooting 50% from the field, but he didn't take a whole lot of shots this year. Really more for defense. Um, just It just sucked. You know, he's getting about a steal a game. It, this just sucks from a depth perspective. And, you know, sophomore kid, <clears throat> decent size at 6'4", 204. Just frustrating at this point to lose play any players at all, regardless of what role they're filling. This is just really tough, really, really tough to lose lose a guy like Robbie. Start, you know, he's kind of improving on what he did last year, three point seven points last year in nine games. He did start two games for us last year, but again, we were pretty bad. And I'm I'm really hoping this doesn't keep the trend going of spiraling out of control this season. But we're gonna find out tomorrow. Uh, good test for us as far as it's not a very good team, but they're athletic. Can we out-scheme a team to a, to a win? This is a team that doesn't shoot very well. They're 66 points per game in the 300s. I don't have the exact number. You can look it up. Ranked in the 300s in the country. There's less than 400 uh, NCAA Division I basketball teams, and they rank in the 300s. Now, they do defend relatively well. They only score about 66 points per game, but they, they do only give up about 68. They're also among the one of the worst rebounding teams in the country. You know, at this point, you know, looking at this, can we outscore the football team? <laughs> I want to know. They defend well. We don't shoot very well. We're not very athletic. Can we outscore the 40 points the football team put on Boston College? It's Hollywood on the hardwood, man. And I'd love to make this game sound bigger than what it is, but this it's tough. This is this is going to be a tough game to watch on both sides because right now BC's not playing very good. We're not playing very good against better competition. BC's lost five of six. Most of those were to mid-majors. They did have the loss to Northwestern, which in my eyes might as well be a mid-major. 
Most points they've scored all seasons, 85. They did that against Belmont in a game that they also gave up 100. So just a little perspective there. They do have nine guys averaging over 15 minutes per game. Three of those guys are, are in uh, double figures. Jay Heath and Gerald Hamilton, uh, both shooting over 40% from the three-point line. So a couple nice three-point shooters there that we'll have to keep our eyes on. Again, this is just going to be about defending the outside because as a team overall, they don't shoot the three very well. It's not very pretty from out there. And they go on these lulls where they they just they just don't score. You know, They'll go up and then they give up an 18-0 run or a, a 30-7 run. It just... These lulls are just incredible where they just, and we have to take advantage. I know that sounds simple. It sounds like I'm saying, oh, you know what they need to do to win the game? Score more points than the other team. Well, essentially, I am saying that. It's what we ran into the other night. We ran into this with Maryland, where when they were shooting so poorly, we have to shoot well. We have to shoot well. We have to shoot well all the time right now to win or have a chance. But especially when we have a team that we are not better than, we are not more athletic than, we got to shoot when they can't shoot. We have to make shots when they don't. Now, obviously, we want to make shots when they do to match their effort, but the bottom line is to build a lead, this team can't sustain that for 40 minutes right now. It's not showed that it can sustain just a constant barrage of shooting. So when they're hitting, they're not hitting shots, we have to be hitting to build any kind of lead to protect because eventually we're going to go cold too. Again, we have not shown any consistent sustainability shooting the ball. Now, interestingly enough, Derek Thornton transfer in from, well, USC, but he was originally at Duke. You, know, you might want to knock the dust off this memory. Uh, it's interesting. I almost forgot about this guy. Back in 2015, he shared the floor with Grayson Allen, uh, a few other guys, Matt Jones, Luke Kennard, uh, several guys on a really good Duke team, uh, You know, and played a lot of minutes. He had 20 starts, uh, and he was a five-star recruit. It's averaged seven points a game, averaged about 26 minutes. Uh, it really shocked me that he, uh, I read some stuff on why he might have transferred, kind of wanting to be the guy. Uh, sounds like he might have, again, speculating from the articles that I read, sounds like he might have a few guys in his ear and, you know, that Duke wasn't necessarily forming the offense around him and he was really going to have to earn his time. So he bounced out, went to USC. He sat out 2016, played out there in uh, 2017, 2018. Uh, it, it was nice. He did fine. Just really never recovered to, to the form that we all thought that he would probably have after playing at Duke. And again, 20 starts on a team, the Grayson Allen 2015 team, that's it's really crazy. I mean, he played with some really good guys out there, some really good ball players that he played with on that, uh, on that particular Duke team. And then apparently looked like he could play with those guys from an athletics uh, perspective. But just decided to transfer out. Um, you know, right now he's averaging about four assists per game. He is the team's leading scorer at 14.8. His turnovers are at a career high right now. I think he's having about four turnovers per game as well as four assists. Only uh, He only had 11 points last time out against uh, Northwestern. His best game so far was the season opener against Wake Forest, another ACC opponent. Had 23 points against them. It doesn't shoot very well from three. Um, again, this is just a team that's they're going to go cold in stretches, and we have to match their athleticism some way, shape, or form. I, I'm not sure how it's going to be. They are, you know, they're six three across their they're six three, six three, six eleven, six eight, six four, six eight. That's the their guys that have the most time. There's two brothers back there, Jared and Jarius Hamilton. Now Jarius is a sophomore, pretty highly touted recruit. Uh, you know, plays well. He's six eight, 
So he's going to be able to give us some fits. They do have a 6'11 guy, Nick Popovich. Uh, I hope that's the right. I hope it's right. It doesn't have an H on the end, but he's averaging 12 points per game. So Jawan Durham, you're, again, another guy. He can score down low. He's tall. He's lengthy. Another guy, how are we going to match up? You know, the, the, the competition goes a little down now. Jalen Smith was a nightmare the other night against Maryland. How are you going to match up? I mean, that's really what it's going to come down to. Can we defend the perimeter, force them to shoot threes, a team that's bad, not a good shooting team from three, force them to shoot threes, rebound the ball. We're, we're pretty decent at rebounding the ball. I mean, we rank about average amongst amongst teams, all the teams in Division One, against a team that doesn't rebound the ball well. Get the ball out score. The crowd should be pretty hyped. It's the first ACC game at home. Should have a decent crowd. It's a two o'clock kick or two o'clock. Yeah, I see. I'm still in football mode. Two o'clock tip. No Notre Dame game. No nothing to conflict with that as far as Notre Dame fan interest. And just take it to these guys. Hopefully Bray brings a really good game plan. I'm excited to see what he's going to bring out tomorrow. And and this is really going to set the tone for the rest of the year because if we can pick up this win, we have a chance to go into ACC play with 10 wins. I'm confident we'll get Alabama A&M. I don't see an issue with that. I'm confident with the Detroit game next week. And then we need to find a way to split Indiana and UCLA. We got to get, we got to get into ACC play with 10 wins and then find a way to get somewhere between eight to 11 and, and somehow sneak into this tournament. That's the formula. We can get it. These 10 wins outside of the conference. We can get in the tournament with, with 20 wins, but we got to set ourselves up because this ACC is no joke. I mean, I have to tell none of you that. So great Friday show guys. Hopefully I hit everything you were looking for. I know I got off on a few non Notre Dame topics, just some things have been burning all week. And you know, we could beat to death this break down the, the 2019 fighting Irish football team for days, but uh, just a few things floating out there. Wanted to get my opinion out there on. So hope you guys have a fantastic weekend. Uh, me and Mark might be coming at you on Monday, but it also may just be me. So we'll see. We'll see how we're going to play it after we know the opponent. So go Irish tomorrow against BC. I will give you my prediction. I think we will win this game. I think it'll be close. Give me 71-65 Irish tomorrow. I'm not giving up on them against an inferior opponent. I can't do it just yet. So until they show me something else, uh, you know, I know Toledo was close, but I- I'm taking the Irish this weekend and TBA the rest of the way. Um, so that's that'll wrap it up. Make sure to follow us at Locked On Irish on Twitter, official Notre Dame podcast of the Locked On Irish podcast. So till Monday, go Irish.